Thank you for listening to our podcast. For more information about our church, visit therockonline.org. And now a message from The Rock of Gainesville. All right, we're going to get right in the Word this morning and uh, wrapping up this four-week series. And I think it's uh, wonderful that I get to do this uh, talking about the greatest gift on Mother's Day because uh, you wouldn't be here without mom. Amen? So uh, I think we should put our hands together and just give an ovation for all the moms, your mom, whether she's here or not. The gift of God. All right, Father, I bless you. I thank you for your word today. I pray, Father, for fresh anointing. I pray over uh, all of us that are here today, those that are watching online, that... uh, We won't think, well, I've heard this before, and so we close ourselves off to the fresh word of the Lord. Today, I ask for your anointing to be rich upon the words that come out of my mouth and the words that come into our ears, that we will be like that church that has an ear to hear, and in hearing, that word will produce life in us. So I pray today that you will finish uh, that that you've begun over these last few weeks as we've been... uh, Diving into your word, Father, and understanding the significance of the gift that you gave to us through your son, Jesus Christ, that enabled us to understand what true love is. And so today, Father, I trust you with this. In Jesus' name, everybody said, amen. Amen. Matthew chapter 22, uh, I'm going to read a few verses here, beginning with verse 34. So, four weeks we've been talking about this uh, gift that God gave us, and um, as I spent some time this week just kind of wrapping up my thoughts on this, I went back to the beginning, uh, which is portion of this scripture I shared four weeks ago. So, I want to jump in there and uh, go from there. All right, Matthew 22, verse 34. But when the Pharisees heard that Jesus had silenced the Sadducees, they gathered together, and one of them, a lawyer, asked him a question to test him. Teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? And he said to him, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the great and first commandment. And a second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments depend all the law and the prophets. So Jesus, without pausing or without having to ponder when he's asked this question, and obviously he knew that it was a test, but he answered the question immediately and emphatically that the greatest commandment that we are commanded to walk in or to live in is to love God first. You see, we have to understand that until we come to a place of fully surrendering to the Lord Jesus Christ and understanding his love that he first gave us, we're never going to fully be able to love the way he created us to love. We, we, the world defines love by their actions in lust. Lust is completely different than love. Lust is all about self-gratification. Love is all about a surrendering 
to that which is greater than self. For God so loved the world, for God so loved you and me, first and foremost, emphatically, he loved us. When we were full of lust, and when we were full of sin, and when we were full of self, God loved us. You guys look so beautiful this morning, man. Some of you are just decked to the hilt, and uh, you look great. You just messed with my mind there, looking at all this pink and all these beautiful moms in the house, or green, or whatever it is you're wearing. You look beautiful. But the love of God, I think, in our society, and even in the church, we, we've heard stuff so much that it, it just kind of goes over our head. When, when Holy Spirit started kind of working uh, in me to bring this word a few months ago, and I shared this the first week, I came to the realization that, that there, as you allow the word to bring a spotlight in your life, you begin to realize the shortcomings. I mean, anybody besides myself? You, you get into the Word, and all of a sudden, man, that spotlight of God's um, love, His revelation, His inspiration, all the things that He's wanting to speak into your life, what it does is, uh, first of all, it just brings into how without God, we are a sunken people. Amen? I mean, we don't have any hope without God. But, but because He first loved us. And it's hard for me year after year, for those that have been around for 36 years, you pretty much can identify with this. There, there's very seldom ever an Easter service that I don't put John 3.16 in the middle of the message somewhere. Why? Because if it had not been for God's love, Jesus would have never come to the earth. He would have never gone through what he went through. He would have never died on the cross. He would have never been resurrected. But God so loved us. And man, I am incredibly thankful for that. And, and yet sometimes the longer we walk with God, we find ourselves in the church living more by a list of rules and regulations and don'ts than we do just walking out the manifestation of God's love in our life. Because as I shared last week, when, when when love begins to permeate your heart, soul, mind, and body, your thought process, then going back to the Ten Commandments, you don't have to spend a lot of time trying to go back and force yourself to live by the letter of the law when the love of God has kind of just flooded you. You look at people, instead of looking at them with judgment, you look at them with love with what would Jesus do in this moment if he were standing here in front of this person? You know, I said last week, we, we always love the sinner, but we always hate the sin. In, in our own lives, we had to come to that place where we realized that God loved me, and, and yet he didn't love my sin. Jesus died on the cross for me because he loved me. He didn't die because he agreed with my sin nature. He died so that we could overcome. Say overcome. So that we could overcome our sin nature 
and come to a place where we could surrender to that magnificent love of God that, that really impacts the way we look, impacts the way we see, impacts the way we talk, impacts the way we drive. Come on, somebody. Pastor Ron's not here to look down when I say that. It's Pastor Ron and his whole family are in Mississippi uh, this weekend uh, burying the ashes of Mama Hyatt next to Daddy Hyatt. And uh, I know they miss being here, but it was a wonderful opportunity for them to do this on Mother's Day weekend. And I was texting with Ron this morning and um, just asked how everything went. And he shared it was a wonderful experience, especially at the gravesite uh, where everybody in the family, uh, without all of us being there, were able to talk and share and share their feelings and thoughts about Mama Hyatt. She was an amazing woman of God. Matter of fact, last week when I was up here praying on Saturday night, I was walking down the aisle and I saw that uh, the reserved seat, the only reserved seat in this whole house for three years has been Mama Hyatt. And, uh, but as I was walking down the aisle, I saw that, and I, I reminisced for a moment of the beauty of that woman of God, and, uh, but then I took up the reserve seating and took it in the back and gave it to Pastor Tad to uh, give to Ron or do whatever they want, but I said, you know, the, the beauty of the memory of a woman who laid down her life to pray for many of you, not just me. But she prayed for a lot of you. She had to because she prayed for hours every day. And she couldn't pray that long just for me. So she had to add a few of y'all. How many of y'all believe she prayed for you? <laughs> yeah, okay. You, yeah, all right. We'll leave it at that. But uh, she was a woman uh, that truly uh, loved God and loved people. And uh, I was so blessed at our celebration of her life where uh, quite a few folks came up to me and said, looked me in the eye and said, Pastor, I'm taking up the mantle, Mama Hyatt, to pray for you. And I looked at him and I'm thinking, whoa, that's easier said than done. You better, I didn't say this to any of them, but I'm thinking, you know, she made a covenant that she lived by every single day. A lot of people out of emotions can go, oh yeah, I can do that. But it's, it's easier said than done to get up and make a, a decision based on love. And we have all been gifted with that grace. The grace to say, Jesus declared that I am to love God with all my heart, soul, mind, body, strength, with everything. Ponder that for a moment. The significance of that command. He, di he didn't say it was, a, it was a consideration. He said it's the greatest commandment in our lives that we're to love. First of all, to love God. And, and as we do that, or as we make a commitment to do that, then we find ourselves in that place where we're having to experience the conviction of Holy Spirit because sometimes we don't even love God with everything that's within us. We love other things. And if our heart is truly to love God, then his conviction will come in and sweetly convict. Amen. See, the goodness of God is he never comes with condemnation. He comes with conviction. 
And oftentimes conviction is not, you know, it's, it's not a paddle to your backside. It's a conviction of the heart that goes, wow, I've made a decision that I want to love God with all that's within me, but I find it really easy to sit down and watch a three and a half hour football game but only spend 10 minutes in the presence of the one that I've committed to love with all that's within me. Uh-oh, we're real quiet. <laughs> People very seldom, unless their team is way ahead or way behind, most People that go to a ball game do not go, get up with three minutes left in the game and the game on the line and go, oh, I've seen enough, I'll head home. <laughs> but we get up from the house of God and head out because we're afraid somebody's going to beat us in the lunch line. <laughs> we have to ponder as pastors, you know, how long can I keep the people before they start dispersing one by one, two by two, out the side doors and back doors. Pastor Ball used to say, my spiritual dad, my wife has asked me to never preach that or say it like he did, but he would just flat out say to the people, look, if you're done and I'm not, then the same door that lets you in will let you out. I don't say that because I don't want you leaving. <laughs> Who leaves with the game on the line? Who knows but that at the end, Holy Spirit might use that last statement to penetrate your heart and spirit. And where are you going to rush off to anyhow, except away from the presence of God? So when we say, Jesus has commanded me, not suggested, but commanded me to love his Father with everything that's within me. Ponder that. Consider that. And then he says, and also, what's he say? Love your neighbor as yourself. So before we can skip over to that love my neighbor thing, you got to get to that love myself thing. Because unless we can truly allow God's love to penetrate, to heal our hearts. I ministered to someone this week, and uh, I said, who are you not to forgive yourself after God has already forgiven you? Who are you to hold this thing as some kind of captive of your life because you still feel so bad about what you did? God already forgave you. Did you repent? Did you confess? Did you acknowledge? Then if so, he has forgiven you. And as long as we allow Satan, the enemy of our soul, to come and heap condemnation, and then we receive it. I remember as a young teenage boy, I, I said that I loved God with all that was within me. And man, on Sundays, I really loved God. <laughs> but then Monday came along, and Tuesday and Wednesday, and the girls, and the sports, and the stuff. And by Friday and Saturday, man, you have surrendered. I had surrendered to the flesh. And so come Sunday, I would either not go to church because I knew I was going to be convicted or just go to church and experience that 
conviction, but for me, it turned into condemnation. And it was condemnation because I did not know the Word of God. I didn't know that Paul had already declared to the church at Rome that there is therefore now no condemnation to those who walk in the Spirit and not after the flesh. Well, the problem was I was still walking after the flesh. And to get to the point where you could stand up and declare, no, no, no. There is therefore now no condemnation. I am not receiving condemnation anymore. I had to first make the commitment that I was going to stop letting the flesh rule my life. And honestly, until I was filled with the Holy Spirit at somewhere between age 18 and 19, I was getting ready to go off to Bible college. And I went to a prayer meeting on a Saturday night with my sister and brother-in-law was actually in their home, and uh, they had kicked me out earlier, so I had to go visit their home. And uh, so I was back with Cheryl and Bob in their back room, and we had this uh, incredible three-hour prayer time. And uh, a man walked up to me and asked me simply, are you tired of this battle in the flesh that you constantly battle? He knew me. And I said, yes. He said, then are you ready to receive the Holy Spirit? I've been three years watching because up until three years before, I knew not who the Holy Spirit was except the third person of the Godhead, the part of the Trinity. And uh, so the, the reality of watching people and really trying to find out, is this Holy Spirit thing really real? Is this power thing really real? Is tongues really real? That out of a frustration of my own heart's condemnation, I cried out, and said, if I need the Holy Spirit to live effectively for the kingdom of God, then Holy Spirit, I want you. I invited him. And the minute I did, the man started to lay his hands on me. And when he did, he never got to my head. I mean, I hit the ground and began to pray in a heavenly language. And I prayed in that for quite a while. And then I began to understand over the next days, weeks, and months ahead how powerful praying in my heavenly language was. Because to get back over there to love God with all your heart, soul, mind, body, and strength, and love your neighbor as you love yourself, you got to walk through the power of the Holy Spirit to be healed, to be forgiven, to be cleansed. How many of you could identify at some point in time in your life, maybe when you came to salvation or whatever, that like Paul, you were one of the chief sinners of the world. Let me see your hand. You just, you did sin really well. How many did sin really well? Come on. Don't lie. You know you did. If you don't, you're sinning right now. So pride has come in and you need to confess. But the love of God is more powerful than the power of sin over your life. Amen to that. And so as we learn to walk in that love, we can love ourselves, forgive ourselves, and then we can begin to love others as we love ourselves. Most of you know, and we're going to pray at the end of the service, Oscar and I are leaving at 4.30 in the morning for Cuba for a week. And uh, I'm extremely excited, one, because three years, seven months ago when I was diagnosed and told I didn't know if I would ever get to go on another missions trip. So I've been to Honduras twice now in the last year and a half and tomorrow 
we get to go back to Cuba. And, and Suzanne and Vicki are very unhappy with our husbands because they believe we're not supposed to go without them. But because things have been so tough down there, we decided we're going to take this first trip. And so we're leaving and going down there. We're going to hang out with all of our pastor friends. Next Sunday, I'll be preaching at La Liga Evangelical uh, Church in Havana. Tuesday and Thursday of this week, we'll be speaking at Pastor Randy and Yenny's church. And I was thinking about all these people and uh, the last several weeks, I've just gone through a lot of mess, a lot of junk in my body and not feeling good and having to lay down for, uh, for quite a long time during some of the days. And the enemy kept saying, don't go, don't go. You're stupid to go. You shouldn't be going on this trip. And, and I had to settle that thing in my heart that God's grace is sufficient. And that he had provided, he had put it in our heart to go, and so I have full confidence. Now, I also have full confidence that y'all are going to be praying for me. Every day, you're going to take up Mama Hyatt's mantle, and you're going to pray and and declare the strength of the Lord. But, But the reason we're going is because God really loves the people of Cuba. Now, God really loves all the people of the world, but he's given us Cuba as a working field for almost 20 years now. And I believe that the love that God has placed in our heart is going to be a healing for some folks that we're going to get to minister to. One, because the actually the church that I'll be preaching at next Sunday, Pastor uh, Abdiel's mom, Pastor Lita, and her three sons have overseen that church. And uh, ever since uh, Pastor Alejandro, the father, husband, the pastor, spiritual father, and an apostle over 300 churches across that island, um, when we first met him, I was, I was so touched by this man who he couldn't speak English and I couldn't speak Spanish, so everything's through translation. But through it, even before the words were translated to me, I experienced a spiritual dad who truly loved people the way he loved himself. And that kind of love will impact a person, a family, a neighborhood, a city, a county, a state, a nation, a world. I want to read you part of a story real quick. Uh, if you will, turn to Ruth, way over there in the Old Covenant, because I want to lead into uh, talking just for a few moments about our great moms. But Ruth chapter 1, verse 14. Most of you know this story. Uh, Naomi uh, had a husband and two sons, and they went to a foreign country, and the sons grew up and married and had wives, and then Naomi's husband, father, um, died, and both the sons died uh, without having any children. And finally, um, Naomi decides that she's going to go back uh, to her country, her land. And so, verse 14 says, Then they lifted up their voices and wept again, and Orpah kissed her mother-in-law, but Ruth clung to her. And the reason was, Naomi decided to go back, and her daughter-in-laws decided to go with her. And halfway down the road on the journey, Naomi stops and says, Girls, 
Y'all need to go back to your homes, your families, uh, you know, your gods, and, and have family because for whatever reason, the Lord has judged me, and, and, and I'm going back, and, and you shouldn't go with me. And, and they cried out, no, we want to go. We want to be with you. And, and she says, what are you going to do? You're going to wait for the chance that one day I could marry again and have two sons, and then you're going to wait for them to get old enough that you could marry? And, and she said, basically, that's not going to happen. And y'all need to go back. And so she speaks this word very clearly, very strongly. And Orpah, the uh, daughter-in-law, kisses her mother. But it says that Ruth clung to her. There was something about her mother-in-law that so impacted her life. She was willing to leave father, mother, family, country, nation, and gods to follow after her mother. Verse 15, and she said, see, your sister-in-law is going back to her people and to her gods. Return after your sister-in-law. But Ruth said, do not urge me to leave you or to return from following you. For where you go, I will go. And where you lodge, I will lodge. Your people shall be my people and your God, my God. Where you die, I will die. And there I will be buried. May the Lord do so to me and more also if anything but death parts me from you. And when Naomi saw that she was determined to go with her, she said, no more. The love of a daughter or the love of a daughter-in-law impacted because of the woman that Naomi was. You know, as many of us in this house that are my age, we lost our mothers years ago to death. And by the grace of God, you know, they're saved and they're with Jesus. And one day we're going to be reunited with our moms. And, and uh, my mom was a uh, hardworking woman and lived a very difficult life. My mother-in-law, Suzanne's mom, was a wonderful woman who lived a very difficult life because she lived her whole married life with a man who did not love God, who was mean, and treated her with not the respect that she deserved. And yet, she loved and walked faithfully as a woman of God. My mother-in-law was one of the greatest moms I've ever known in my life. When I say as a son-in-law, I had the best mother-in-law in the world. She, she was because she was my mother-in-law. <laughs> but she wasn't a mother-in-law that I regretted to have to go visit. Now, Papa, that's a different story. Thank God it's not Father's Day today. But Mother's Day, my mother-in-law was a woman that she was a prayer warrior. She taught her children from the earliest age. Man, they... they they lived a life in New Orleans. My mother-in-law would get up and get her little twin girls dressed. She would prepare lunch, and then they would walk a long way, blocks, to a bus station to get on the bus or the trolley, I don't remember which, and then they would go to church where they went to Sunday school and they went to church, and then she would walk back to the bus, get on the bus, go back to the neighborhood, get off, walk the blocks back home, and then immediately prepare a meal and get it set on the table to a husband who was grumpy and mad because it was past lunchtime. 
And yet she walked in integrity. She walked in love. She walked in forgiveness because I thought she should have just asked the Lord to take him home a long time earlier than he did. I, I didn't say that he, she should kill him or anything, but she should just ask the Lord to kill him. I mean to take him home. But she loved God, and she taught. She imparted into her daughters and into her uh, son, and she lived such a life. Is it okay if I tell this story about Rip? Suzanne's older brother and sister, they were pretty hellacious. They lived uh, the sinful life to the best of their ability. And... Uh, and they never went to church, but on special occasions each year, Rip, my brother-in-law, who became an incredible man of God, he would go to church just to honor his mom. He would go. And one of those years, he was married in a bad marriage. He'd gotten, he was still married, but now he's living with another woman. And he's got a child from the wife, and he's, he's just got this life. But one Sunday, he came to church to honor his mom. He went for one reason, and God got a hold of him. And he's sitting all the way in the back, and Mama is sitting all the way up front, and when pastor gave the altar call, all of a sudden, because there were just so many people getting saved every single week, it was back during the Jesus movement, and there was a, just an incredible move of God going on in the world. And all of a sudden, uh, Mama turns and looks, and there comes Rip down the middle of the aisle. And he got saved, and the fruit of salvation was relevant and evident in his life. He was willing to break off the relationship with the woman he was living with and try to be restored to his wife who wanted nothing to do with him. And so eventually he was freed and divorced and he married uh, this woman, Stacy, who is an incredible woman of God. And, uh, but the fruit of his life was because of a mother who prayed and lived the life in front of him that wasn't hypocritical or religious. Many of us in this room today are saved because we had a praying mother, a praying grandmother who went to bat for their children. Went to bat, believed, stood in faith for any mom in this place who has wayward children. Hear me, don't stop praying. Don't stop believing. Don't stop trusting. You say, well, their lives, it looks impossible. Oh, well, God's good with the impossible. You keep loving unconditionally. You keep inviting unconditionally. You keep making a place for them. You don't have to love their sin, and you don't have to embrace it. But you do have to love them with an unconditional love that they know that there is not judgment over them every time they come to visit mom or dad. And Ruth saw something in Naomi that impacted her life that she said, 
I'm going wherever you go. And your God will be my God. She, in turn, became a woman, Ruth, who a whole book is written about in the Bible. Has anybody written a book about you that's in the Bible? <laughs> I mean, Ruth impacted. The story is about her, but the story truly is about her mother-in-law. Because she lived a life of faith. And she walked when she couldn't even understand what was going on. So one of the top commandments, as Jesus declared, Exodus chapter 20, verse 12, says this, Honor your father and your mother, that your days may be long in the land that the Lord your God is giving you. For no other reason but you want to live long, honor your mom. Honor is a choice. And I was just thinking about all the incredible moms that are in this house today. Many of you haven't had an easy life. Many of you have gone through difficulties. Many of you have struggled with, with the attack of the enemy against your family, your heart, to such a degree that there have been times when you have really come under an onslaught of the enemy. But God's grace is sufficient. You see, if you won't uh, take out a white flag and wave it around to Satan, I, I, just quit hammering me and, and I'll, I'll leave you alone. You can't wave the white flag. You got to stand firm in the promise of God's word. In the promise of his word, which he has found faithful to us. John chapter 19, verse 26. Jesus is at the end or the beginning. He's on the cross. He's in the process of dying. He's in much pain because even though he's fully God, he's fully man, and every affliction that he took was for our benefit. But it was intense. He's on the cross. He's about to say those three famous words, it is finished. But before he does, hear this. He looks down, and out of his 12 disciples... There's only one, John. And with John stands his mother, Mary Magdalene, four or five other women. And they're standing there. Could you imagine as a mother standing there watching your son go through what Mary did? I can't. Under, I, 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 don't know. I don't know how she endured that except for the grace of God. And the fact that she had had the word since the moment the angel of the Lord came and said, Mary, you've been found faithful with God. You, you found favor, and you're going to carry his son. And this is what he's going to do, and this is what his name's going to be, and this is what he's going to accomplish. So Mary, the mother, even though she's enduring the cross and all that Jesus went through, she knows it's not the end. 
She might have been the only one that knew because the disciples had not yet comprehended all the three years of teaching that Jesus had given. And so before Jesus dies, he does this one last incredible act. He looks down at his mother and at the disciple whom John throws in, whom he loved. <laughs> Those boys, they still had some issues. <laughs> See, John is recording what Jesus did, and he throws in there the one that Jesus truly loved. He saw him standing nearby, and he said to his mother, Woman, he obviously couldn't point. He's hanging on the tree. His hands are outstretched, the crown of thorns on his brow, blood coming out of him. And he looks and he says, woman, behold your son. And with his eyes, he must have looked at John. Then he says to the disciple, behold your mother. And from that hour, the disciple took her to his own home and he became that caregiver for the mother of his Lord. For every man and every young man and every boy in this place, there's nothing we should do greater than honoring the mother that God gave us. You know, she didn't have to be perfect. Honor is something you give. And to withhold honor, I believe you get into an unsafe place with your father. Jesus being the living example on his death cross, he makes sure that his mother is going to be cared for. He said, woman, behold your son. We need to live by the example of Christ. Need to love our moms, honor our moms, give honor to our moms, give honor to the memory of our mothers. My mom was not perfect, but I know she loved me. We're called to be an example in the world that we live in. Love God with all your heart, soul, mind, strength. Love your neighbor as you love yourself. Honor your father and your mother that you can have confidence in long life. We live in a society where divorce has been rampant and so children are divided between moms and dads and ugly, angry things happen and Parents try to get their children to side with one side. It's an ugly thing because it all goes about to destroy what God had created in family. To love and to give honor. So as I wrap up this series, I trust that we will give much thought and prayer as to how we not only receive God's love, but also, how do we give that kind of love to others? We give that love 
through our servanthood and our time and our investment. To love God, to love our neighbor as we love ourselves. Love God, love people. Say that. Love God, love people. Say it again. Love God, love people. That's our command. And hear me. You don't have to pray about it. The grace is already there. For all of us that are believers, we walk in that love. And we give that kind of love. Let us walk out of these doors today into our community, into our world. Let that love be the thing that drives us, causes us to pause at the grocery store to help someone, to serve someone, to help our neighbor. This week, there was a couple of really bad storms Thursday and Friday night. Hope you weren't out in them. But in the storm on Thursday night, lightning struck a beautiful home in town of Tioga, two-story beautiful home. And uh, neighbors saw the smoke coming out of the top of the house. There was no one home but two dogs and the daughter. And the daughter was freaking out. But neighbors rose up, went across, went in through the back of the house, got the dogs out, got the daughter out. As a mother is pulling in, trying to get into the garage, not understanding why her garage door won't open. You say, well, man, I would do that. I'd run into a house and try to save a, a girl or even the dogs. Can we go to our neighbor with the love of God and show them that love through our actions? Not wait for a fire, not wait for something else, but to say, God, use me. My prayer for all of us is that as we walk out of here today, that we will ponder these last four weeks in the word that Holy Spirit has been speaking directly, emphatically to you and I. So I want to ask you to bow your heads for just a moment. Father, I thank you that the love message is the most powerful message in the whole Word of God, and yet it's a message that too many of us that have been in the house of God or in church way too long have allowed other things to become the leading source of our walk. Help us. Stir within us that amazing love that you love, that you loved us. Thank you that you first loved us. Thank you that you care about every person in this place today. Would you just keep your head bowed for just a moment? I wasn't going to do this today because I'm going to do something in a moment for our moms, but I just want to pause for one minute. If you're sitting in this room today and you do not know the love of God, or have not experienced his love, his goodness, his kindness, his forgiveness, his mercy in you. I don't know why you came today, except that God 
brought you here. And if today you're ready to respond and say, Jesus, I need you in my life. I want that kind of love. I'm tired of hating. I'm tired of hatred. I'm tired of all the junk that the world throws at me. I need relief. I need to experience a God kind of love. With every head bowed and believers are praying this morning, if that's you in this room, I would love to lead you in a very simple prayer where we're going to ask Jesus to be Lord of your life. And if that's you this morning, I know it's difficult. It's one of the most difficult things you ever do in your life because it has to do with your eternity. But if you're that person today and you want Jesus to be Lord of your life and you want to replace hatred with love, you want to experience all that he has for you. Would you just lift up your hand and let me see it? I'm going to lead you in a prayer in just a moment. But if that's you today in this place and you want Jesus to be Lord of your life, yes, sir, God bless you. Thank you. You can put it down once I've seen it. Thank you, sir. Yes, God bless you, sir. Who else? This is your moment right here, right now. Yes, sir, God bless you. Thank you. Jesus loves you. Yes, dear, God bless you. Thank you. Jesus knocking at your heart's door today. He's just waiting for you to open. And he'll do the rest. Anyone else want to join these this morning? This is your moment. You're here for this reason. God loves you. All right, right where you sit, I want to just invite the whole congregation to pray with me out loud. Pray this prayer. Father God, thank you that you first loved me. Thank you that in my sin, you've had mercy. And today, I acknowledge that I need you, Jesus. So I invite you in. I open up my heart. Come in, Lord. I confess my sin, my separation from you, and my need of you today. I pray, Jesus, and I thank you for your forgiveness, your love, your mercy. I receive it today. And I choose you today, Father, to serve your purposes. Replace in me today the junk of my past. Replace hatred with love. And I thank you for mercy and grace. And I receive it in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Come on, let's give the Lord a praise for these this morning. I want to invite all the moms, if you will, to stand. Moms, grandmothers, everybody that's been a mother. Now, don't freak out, but I want you to step out in the aisle, and I want you to come down here to the front. All the moms, don't sit back down. You're a mom. We know it. We love you. We want to pray over you and bless you. When you come, I want you to come all the way to the front and then turn around and face your family. All right? So come down, back up, and turn around. Turn around and face the family. You can just make a second line in front of them. You don't have to go into the wall. Come around. You can just turn and face. And y'all can give each other breathing room. You don't have to back all the way up on each other. Unless y'all just smothering in for some love. Amen. You can go three deep, four deep, five deep. 
All you amazing moms. Yeah, come on, let's give it up for all these incredible moms. All right, I want all the families now to stand where you are and stay where you are, please. You can stretch your hands over your moms. And I want to pray a prayer this morning over them and declare our blessing as a family, as a people, as a house. These are incredible women of God. They're incredible moms. Many of them have faced so many battles. And today I'm praying that they'll walk out of here encouraged, know who they are in Christ. So join with me as we stretch our hands over them and pray over them this morning. Father God, I thank you this morning for all of these amazing moms that are standing here before us. Father, there's no way to really measure how much they bring to all of our lives. And we are grateful for their love and all the sacrifices that they make. Today, Father, I'm asking that you help all of these moms see themselves through your eyes, God, as a daughter that is well loved by you. I pray that you would help each mother to believe that your grace is on them to be the mother that their children need or their grandchildren need. Father, I pray that every mom is encouraged today that you fill them with wisdom, strength, and love. Help them to know that their work has not gone unnoticed by you or by their children. I lift up any of the moms who are struggling right now. I speak peace over them and declare, Father, your grace will see them through every difficult season that they walk through. I pray that every mom will feel your love and see and understand your presence today. Lord, I also ask you to bless these moms with a support system that comes through the covenant relationships found only in the body of Christ. We know how vital it is to not walk alone and how incredibly strengthened we are when we walk with others who love and care and are willing to help. Father, I also lift up every woman in this place who desires to be a mom but have not yet been able to conceive. I pray that they will be encouraged by your love for them and the fact that you know their heart's desire. Pray that you will help them to trust you and your goodness and that they will be able to trust your plans for their lives. So Father, we thank you so much for giving us our mom and we're thankful for giving us the body of Christ, these moms. We declare that they are one of the greatest gifts and blessings in our lives. And we bless you and we give you thanks for each and every one of them. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. 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 Hallelujah. Thank you for listening to our podcast. For more information about our church, visit therockonline.org.